just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hi Dave. Hi Dave. Hi Jess. Hi Matt. <laughs> Hello. 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 <laughs> Guys, how are we? The last episode for 2017 and what a year it's been. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm disappointed that we're ending on a low because I am furious at both of you. What have we done? For two things, I made a great joke before and you both ignored me and then I said, really, I'm getting nothing for that and you continued to ignore me. Oh, I didn't want to I didn't want to have to. I've already forgotten what the joke was, but it I'm was still about, mad. It was about sucking in porn. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. You're making like oh. a suck pun sort of thing. Yeah. I didn't even hear it. No, that's right. Didn't you didn't even, even hear, hear you hear bring it. it up again. Oh, my God. You say, I, didn't, I ignored you saying keep ignoring yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Because you're what, so good at just blocking me out. Which is what you wanted. <sighs> I and thought it was really funny. No, you sucking, didn't. Because no, sucking, you, didn't. you can also suck in porn. And also, I got a haircut and neither of you noticed. Oh, fuck. You even warned us. You foreshadowed this I told this you haircut. when I saw you three days ago, I was getting a haircut and I've lopped half of it off. It's a significant change. What is it? Oh, my God. It, I am few. This is, I mean, this is what you get for working with boys. Okay. So, observation. <laughs> but you've definitely had a haircut. I've had a haircut. Observation for me. It looks nice. But Just like it, it did look, yesterday. But does it look that different? That's my question. Oh, my so, God. I would, if you were saying lopping off, I would have expected there to be like a, a visible change. There like, is a yeah, visible change. It finishes here, which is at my shoulders, and yeah. it used to finish at my boobs. Okay. That is a significant change. Anyway, I mean, I don't mean to air our dirty laundry, so but I'm we... just saying that I will be a little hostile this episode, dear listener, we'll... and it is not my fault. It will be difficult for you to ride a clam now. It is going to be difficult for me to ride a clam, just yes. Saying. Well, That's why Matt's growing his beard out, so he can do it. <laughs> so yeah. he can mermaid. It'll be can a you... long time before it covers your junk. You can only... <laughs> is, that, is that a rule? You can only ride a clam topless? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're oh. not going to wear a top riding you... a clam, are you? No, that's true. Come Anyone? On, Even like a what, like a clamshell bikini? Oh, well, now you're on theme. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Would that be inappropriate? In it front can't of, have on strings, though. Oh, yeah, that's mean. 
Yeah, going, I'm, like I'm eating, wearing your uncle. Yeah, that's it. It's like eating, eating KFC in front of a, a pen of chickens. It's just mean. Mm. That is mean. Especially if you're riding that pen of chickens. Yeah. All at once, like All a super once. chicken. And you're wearing that KFC on your nipples. Yeah, that's more offensive. Yeah. Anyway. Chicks on your nips. <laughs> that's, all, that's my life story. That's my novel. Oh, <laughs> chicks on nips. Wow. I will definitely edit that. <laughs> going strong uh, for the final dash to the end of the year there, Matt. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone and I hope you have a very happy new year. And we do yeah. hope you had a Christmas. We hope, we hope you had a Christmas. Yeah. Unless you don't you know. celebrate, in which case I hope you didn't have a Christmas and you had whatever you would like to do on that day. Maybe a sausage. You can have a sausage. You can have a nap. You don't have to go to work, probably, where you are, you know? Well, unless you're old Saint John. Saint St. John. It's pronounced St. John. St. John. Delaney. <laughs> Four weeks at a funeral. Anyway. Very good. Thank you. Anyway, should we? Let's do it then. Let's, let's fucking do it. Let's the- wrap up the year, bitches. Woo! Woo! Matt? Woo. Yeah, there it that's is. the tone we love. Now, <laughs> for the final time in 2017, let me try and tell you what this show is. If you have just tuned in for the end of the year, um, what happens is one of us is going to report on a topic suggested by a listener, and this week, for the last time this year, it's going to be Matt Stewart. Matt Bloody Stewart. Hey, that's me. That's great, because I've got a report right here and oh. a question to kick us off. Yes. To get us on a topic. And this mm-hmm. question is, the results of what animal experiments of the 50s, 60s and 70s led to many people predicting the downfall of humankind? <gasps> what? Wow. Okay. Animal experiments. Are they monkeys? It, yeah. Is the answer an animal? Rabbits. Yeah, I'll take the animal. Hmm. It's not monkeys or rabbits. Tigers. It's not tigers. Elephants. Doug. I'm thinking smaller than elephants. Rats. It is rats. Yes. I mean, you really leapt small. I mean, there's nearly everything smaller than elephants. Yeah, but rats are. Yeah, I'm not wrong. So this topic is sort of about John B. Calhoun's mouse and rat utopia experiments. And this was suggested by a New Zealander named Blake. Didn't give a surname, Blake. What are you bloody hiding? (laughs) Who are you, Blake? Show yourself. Show yourself, you dog. Put your head up. Put your hand up. Uh, but he did give us his Twitter handle, which oh. is almost like the modern day surname. And then you, you went there and it had his full surname. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Hiding in plain sight, eh, Blake? <laughs> yeah, very wily. Uh. At Cloud Strife's cat. That's a long surname. Which I don't know. If he's a cat man, maybe it makes sense that he's interested in rat and mice experiments. Or maybe he's a scat man. <gasps> Ooh. I didn't think of that. Maybe it's Cloud Strife Scat. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yuck. Bibi da poo. Oh, oh you're thinking of that scat. Yeah, that's why I thought you said yuck. I'm thinking of poo. <laughs> you're always thinking of poo, Dave. Yeah, so who, who are we talking about again? It went off in one of my poo dreams. <laughs> poo dreams. It's like a daydream, but I'm pooing. Yeah. He also, on the, on the new system of the hat, um, people can suggest like a, a thing. A topic? A resource that you can oh, check out. Like a link type thing. And uh, he uh, actually sent me through to a YouTube documentary, which is like a YouTube exclusive documentary oh. on this channel by Frederick, I want to say Nudsen, K-N-U-D-S-E-N. It was really good. It's called Nudson. Down the Rabbit Hole, Nudsen. And he does a whole series about interesting topics. So I think it's the kind of stuff that our listeners probably would enjoy. I'll link to that in the description. 
Um, this right. documentary I watched uh, yesterday it was really it was really fascinating. Is it like but a full length, like, is it, is about it, a half hour. Is it funded by YouTube? Is that what you mean by exclusive to? Oh YouTube? no, it just he uploads it to YouTube. Oh, like it's like not it's not like a BBC that's been pirated gotcha. on there. He's making them for YouTube. He's got a Patreon and stuff, so he's a legit biz. You know, like all legit Wait. businesses get. So <laughs> hang on. To qualify as a biz to you, Matt, all you have to do is upload some content to the internet yep. and have a Patreon. Uh huh. Are we a fucking biz? Yeah, we're the bloody biz. Uh, yeah, we're a biz. We're a global corporation. Oh my god, baby. Am, I, am I a CEO? We've, yeah, you're the co-director. Oh my god. Hmm. Matt's the uh, co-director, and I'm the. Um, what a voice. Junior vice <laughs> Junior. regent. <laughs> Viceroy. Personal assistant. Yeah, personal assistant. Chief secretary. To, personal assistant shopper. <laughs> to the co-directors. <laughs> uh, yeah, that reminds me. Um, do you need some New Year's fashion items? Yeah, and you did not pick up my dry cleaning. Well, okay. This is the third week in a row. Well, different department, but I can I stretch. I keep shitting myself. <laughs> I need a lot of things Which obviously cleaned. you enjoy, Dave. Yes. Well, I have been putting laxatives in your coffees He's... to get back at you for being prick bosses. <laughs> He's the scat man. Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. Come on, get on, Matt. Come on. So John B. Oh. Calhoun. I thought that's what you were Cal- saying. Poo. I thought you were saying come on, like do the report. No, I mean like come on and enjoy the <laughs> reference. No, I can't. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to take it. It's will so all... good every time. It's going to be cut. Look, ref- uh, listener, if that has been cut out, then um, please let me know because. Whenever Dave cuts one, I cut it out. <laughs> John B. Calhoun was. <laughs> I won't let it happen because I don't want him to cut it. John B. Calhoun was an ethologist, which could be loosely defined as someone who scientifically studies animal behavior. So, how does that spell? Sorry? E T H O L O G. I-S-T. So just an ethologist, right? So, so I was not sure if you were saying ethologist or ethologist, so that's fine. So animal behaviour. Yes. So he's like an animal um, sociologist. So he's like a yep. 1960s Dr. Doolittle. Yes. <gasps> he likes to walk with the animals, talk with the animals, squawk, flap, sing with the animals, if I am to misquote the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how he used to say it as well. Um, so you're quoting him how correctly. How lovely! Different Doolittle. <laughs> Quick, Matt, do your favourite Doolittle. <laughs> um, I'm a little do. Nice one. <laughs> Should have said small. <laughs> I'm a small piece of shit. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> His little nod. Very cute. I got it. Finally got, finally got it. <laughs> Uh, Calhoun rose to prominence in the 50s and 60s with his experiments on rats and mice. The topic of today. Uh, he was born in Elkton, Tennessee, and also spent some time at school in Nashville. During his high school years, he took an interest in studying the habits of birds, and he published his first article in the Journal of the Tennessee Ornithological Society at the age of 15. You nailed ornithological there. Fuck, yes. And I saw you kind of build up to it too, like you kind of got ready to say it, and you fucking nailed it. Like you are about to jump in a cold pool. Yeah. That's it, fucking, I'm just going, rip off the Band-Aid. Because it's a, it's a word you can say. But when you have to say it, yeah, it's up. stressful. Good job. Thank you very much. But also good job to John for getting published at 15. That is a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, after high school, Calhoun studied at the University of Virginia, America's original state. Go, go Wahoos. 
Uh, uh, we have not researched that fact. People just told us on Twitter. So go um, Wahoos. No, I did look that up. And Northwestern right. Universities, go Wildcats. After graduating, <laughs> he moved around a bit, uh, working at different colleges, including the Ohio State University, go Buckeyes, <laughs> uh, Johns Hopkins University, go Blue Jays, and Emory <laughs> University, go Eagles, which is a little bit dull after those other ones, to be honest. Emory, go Eagles. Yeah. The Emory Eagles. That's good. That's very nice. Alliteration's but... fun. Oh, sure. No, nah, you're right. And when you're bloody right, you're bloody right. But what about the Emory Eagle f- fuck-offs? You know, a little bit of pizzazz. <laughs> the Eagle fuck-offs. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Oh, my God, I love it. Dave, do you love it? That was the best improv I've seen from you. You loved it, right? You've waited to the last week of the year and you're firing on all one cylinder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the thousand noises are back. (laughs) Do you remember the time we made him do, like, he had to do nine different gun sounds? (laughs) Mm. Is there any new ones for the collection? Very fun. That one sounded new. Yeah, that was new. What was that for my one cylinder? (laughs) The one cylinder gun. One cylinder gun. What a country. (laughs) I assume it's American. Uh, at Northwestern, Calhoun met his wife, Edith Gresley. Go Gresleys. Who was, <laughs> <laughs> she was studying biology. Uh, while at John Hopkins, he worked on the rodent ecology project. Go rodents. <laughs> See, why don't they have the rodents? Yeah. Rodents is great. I love that as a team name, the rats or something. That'd be oh, sick. I don't want to play for the rats. I know that This is something that I've been thinking about. Rats are fucking adorable. No. Why have they got such a dodgy no, name? they gross. Well, they do spread a lot of disease. Oh, okay. I mean, and <laughs> if you look, overlook that. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, like, it, they're very similar to a lot of us, what are seen as adorable Australian no. marsupials. No. Yeah, like the small, like like a tree kangaroo or something. Yeah, they're like, oh, I can't get okay, that is. You shrink that down and it's like, get away from me, get away you disease-filled you... prick. Yeah, they're, I reckon they're real cute. No. I, I, here, my theory is one rat on its own, very cute. Like, if, especially oh. if it's a pet. Oh, pack of rats. King. But then, yeah, the rat king. But then if you have, like, dozens of rats, no. suddenly it's terrifying. And they're yeah. tangled by the tail. <laughs> and then they're sort of like a heaving mass. <laughs> like a ball. Oh, oh. They're, they're rolling towards you. Stop. Yeah. I think that's what the, the rat king is. Oh. Isn't it? No. All right. <laughs> the rat king is actually several hundred rats <laughs> in a ball. I think, that's, I think that genuinely is right. Anyway, um... In 1947, he started working on a long-term study on a colony of Norway rats. The year was 1947, I colony rats. <laughs> uh, so, so these are Norwegian wet? Nor- wats? Norwegian wats. Norwegian wats. <laughs> <laughs> is that the rat catcher? Yes. Oh, no. Just dropping off a fresh shipment, sir. <laughs> Two penny a dozen. <laughs> and I've got six dozen. That's 12 Two penny. <laughs> No, hang on. I don't do maths real good. But do catch the rats. <laughs> they know the rules. <laughs> uh, so he's working on this this uh, this new well, this. So he's working on this uh, project with Norway rats. So is that legit? Sorry, my question was legitimate. Are they Norwegian rats? Is that that's just a breed of rat? Right. right yeah. Norwegian rats. <laughs> I once knew a rat. <laughs> or should I say, that rat knew me. <laughs> Get away, rat. How do you know my name? That rat just gets me. 
The rat knows my social security number. (laughs) Oh, the rat got me the perfect birthday present. It knows me. Thanks, Wat. So he he conducted this long-term study on a colony of of the Norway rats in a massive 1,000-square-metre outdoor enclosure. What? It was, I think it was out the back of his property, and he asked his neighbour if it was cool, and his neighbour, I think, like, this is what Calhoun later said, was like... uh, I think he probably pictured it like a little, you know, a little rat enclosure. It was, <laughs> but like, he just built like he he knocked over trees and he built this massive thing, a square kilometer of rat rat run. <laughs> oh. Yeah, 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 that's fine. You can have a little rat thing out the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, right. like rats a, sh- a little. So like a like an open shed type thing. I'm imagining it's enclosed, but yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> He started with five pregnant females in Rat City, uh, which meant... <laughs> Did he let it call it Take that? me down yeah. to the Rat City! <laughs> uh, which meant that there was enough genetic diversity, and from his previous studies, he believed that the amount of time allowed this, uh, in the study meant that somewhere in the vicinity of 5,000 babies could be produced over the over the few years of the study that he was taking out. Well, I reckon there could be way more, right? At first, the population of rats grew exponentially, uh, but then something unexpected happened. The population leveled off at around 150 and never grew beyond 200. What? Why? He also noticed that the rats didn't spread sporadically across the large enclosure, um, remembering that the space was big enough for thousands of rats. Rather, they organised themselves into colonies of around a dozen rats each. This seemed to be their natural limit for a, like a rat crew to live harmoniously with each other. <laughs> rat squad. Rat squad. <laughs> rat gang. Rats. What do we reckon? Rat crew. Rat squad. Rat gang. Rat posse. Rat pack. Oh, oh it's definitely rat pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah rat pack. I'm embarrassed. I'm glad you got there because otherwise people would have been on the Twitter. Oh, they get on the Twitter. Well, they was there. Um, you missed a joke opportunity. <laughs> I know. I miss hundreds every day, <laughs> and every night I go to bed and I think, fuck. Fuck! That's the worst when you listen back to an edit and there's something we all miss. Yeah. We're fucking idiots. You morons. (laughs) I don't know if you ever listen back to the show, especially one you haven't edited, so you know, haven't heard it for maybe a week or two. You're listening Mm. to it in the car and I think, that'd be a funny joke right there. And then I say that. Yes, I love that. Am I just the person that would always think of that possibly good or bad joke or do I remember me saying that? Yeah, maybe it's a bit of both. I'm just wondering, or do I, every time in that scenario, 100 times out of 100, I'm going to be like, oh, wow, wow. That was your example of you making a joke. Wow, wow, wow. It's like an ad for a 90s toy commercial. 113 episodes and you couldn't remember one joke that you've said. I'm really fascinated to hear what people think of Dave sitting in his car listening to his own podcast. I reckon some people are going to find that bloody adorable. And what are other you people going to think? You've got to listen really back. Really fucking adorable. <laughs> I must tell you, a lot of the times I think I hate you so much, Dave, yeah. when I'm yeah. listening back. Yeah. That's why I, I can't do it. No. You don't? You never I listen can't. back? I, I used to to try and keep up with our, like our show. Yeah, I try and keep up with it. But now I, I just I'm can't way behind it. too. But if I listen to it, it's good to remember. I find you remember jokes that people are tweeting in about. Yeah. Otherwise, sometimes you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, someone tweets you, you're like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Is this a threat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. I invited this threat. That's why you tweeted me saying, hashtag wow. That's because I said, can you please tweet me? Yeah. Hashtag wow. Yeah. <laughs> please do it. At Dave Warnicky. Uh, I'd love to hear how you spell the wow. So, so the, the rat, the, what do we call him? The rat. 
pack. Rat pack. Uh, so, yeah, that 12 seemed to be the natural limit for a rat pack to live harmoniously. More than this and the mini societies would break down. He finished up the experiment after just over two years. So it was, it was a long-term experiment, almost two and a half years. Somewhere. It was It was somewhere between two and two and a half. Anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down the exact time. <laughs> Uh, the reason why the population never grew as high as it could have uh, was high infant mortality. The reasons for this, uh, why this was happening, weren't entirely clear, though Calhoun later suggested that stress from social interaction led to such disruption of maternal behaviour that few young survived. Mm. That's what he That's what he posed. So it was such disruption... Living in Rat City as opposed to normal environment? Is that what you mean? Well, I'm, I, I think further I'm going to go into some gotcha. future ones in more depth and you can sort of hear how things broke down in heartbreaking levels. <laughs> right. After the Christmas one episode uh, uh, earlier in the month, I'm like, I'm going to put up happier suggestions. <laughs> and the other two were just like bios of celebrities. And I put this one in. I'm like, and I forgot that, of course, mm-hmm. Rat a famous rat and mice experiment isn't going to be like, and everyone just had the best time. Yeah. <laughs> the re- results were everyone lived forever. All of those rats now have uh, Ferraris and they're happy. <laughs> they're so happy. Turns out rats are really cool. <laughs> That's what they found. <laughs> In summary, rats are quite cool. Yeah, everyone <laughs> should have one as a best friend. <laughs> In 1951, Calhoun and his wife Edith had their first child who they named Cat Calhoun. Really? Not Rat Calhoun? No, but Cat, the mortal enemy of the rat. What? Yeah, that's cruel. Was this some sort of experiment? Over the next couple of years, Calhoun jumped around a few different places of employment and in 1954 he landed at the National Institute of Mental Health, or NIM. That same year, Edith and Calhoun had their second (laughs) child, Cheshire Calhoun. Another, another cat. cat oh name. My God. What is wrong with this guy? They're kooky. <laughs> they are kooky. The first one you're like, oh, it could be a coincidence. The second one you're like, they're fucking yeah. with these rats. Number three is Hello Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> then Top Cat. Fat Cat. Tom and Jerry, yeah. the one that is relevant to the cat. <laughs> Jerry. Sylvester. No, it's Tom, Tom Cat. Sylvester and Tweedy, the one that's relevant. Don't say to the that cat. to me like I'm a fucking idiot. You know, Tom Cat is a thing. You're a thing. <gasps> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> the next child was called Dave. <laughs> Dave Cat. Uh, at NIM, Calhoun continued with his rat studies with further <laughs> experiments to try and figure out why there was such a high infant mortality rate at Rat City. This is his answer to everything rat rats. Rat City. So like uh, this person uh, is exhibiting uh, uh, mental issues and he comes in with a bunch of rats. Yeah, this will help. Yeah. Matt, rat, rat therapy. You just mimed him throwing rats. Yeah. I... <laughs> I don't think that would help. And that's how the doctor and patients switch places that day. <laughs> ah, the doctor becomes the yeah. patient. <laughs> These experiments were smaller in scope, which allowed for them to be more controlled. Again, the enclosures were stocked with unlimited food and no predators, obviously, because they're enclosed, right? <laughs> he accidentally left six tigers <laughs> oh, in no, there. No, there's a, <laughs> six tigers. <laughs> he gets inside. He's like, well, dear, another experiment ready to go. Oh, six tigers. I forgot about the tigers. <laughs> Not again with the tigers. Oh, no. I also sell tigers here. <laughs> 
sorry. Yeah, you come. <laughs> the rat catcher comes in like out of his mind. It's like, I've given you the wrong package. <laughs> I forgot you buy six rats, you get one tiger free. <laughs> <laughs> what a deal. So the only catch with all these experiments, the, the only, only catch, catch is. Oh, the only catch. <laughs> And wink <laughs> is that uh, there's a finite amount of space. So it's supposedly a utopia, but one big difference to to a normal rat life is that they can normally leave. Right? Sure. Hey guys, there's only one slight downfall of you. Yeah, you're trapped in you're a small trapped. area. You will die at the age of three days. But apart from that, it's great. It's Those a good three days. Three days. Gonna, to be honest, they're going to be rough. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're going to be average at best. Um, these new enclosures were described as rat utopias. Uh, he initially focused on experiments with a domesticated albino Norway rat. In 1962, Calhoun published an article of his findings in Scientific Americans uh, titled Population Density and Social Pathology, which focused on the studies of six different populations. Each of the six experiments had a similar setup. They either started with 32 or 56 rats. I think the first three were with 32, the, the following three with 56. That doesn't seem to be super important, but anyway. Uh, and they were all 50-50 male to female ratio. And Calhoun believed they could comfortably house around 48 rats, though he did allow the populations to get up to 80 as he was you know, kind of testing that how overcrowding would affect them and stuff like that. Um, but if it did get up to 80, he would like, he'd pull, um, pull rats out. He'd kill a few. Yeah, I guess he would. Step, he'd step on 32 of them at once. <laughs> and then they'd carry him away. Oh, this hasn't worked out well. Feed him in, into his tiger pen, <laughs> which he's had to hurriedly put together. <laughs> oh, shit. There's not enough room for all six of them in there. They are quite uncomfortable. I forgot to tell Nim about the tigers. The enclosures were rectangular in shape. Uh, in shape there isn't really required, is it? Were rectangular. Is there another thing that? But they what could... shape were they? They were rectangular in essence, in mm, spirit, spirit, yeah, uh, and divided into four. I think this is the part of the report where I still thought, you know, I got to get words in. Sure, okay. <laughs> By the end, I'm like, quick, <laughs> Cut it the really. Word. This report got out of hand. This is the longest one I've done in so long. Anyway, the enclosures were rectangular in shape because that's my idea of utopia and spirit. And divided mm. into four equal pens, so yeah. you, like with a cross, you know, like yep. just equal. straight down the middle, a plus sign dividing them. Uh, each pen included everything the rats needed, including a drinking fountain, a food dispenser, and an elevated nesting area, uh, which could be reached by a, a circular staircase. Stop it. They got a little spiral staircase. Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Oh, that's great. I remember a girl that I went to primary school with had a, a spiral staircase in her house, and I was like, this is the epitome of wealth. Wow. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That um, is so cool. And then she pointed to her lift and you went, mm-hmm, I stand corrected. Well played. Uh, Join yeah. me in the West Wing, won't you? I'm like, okay. <laughs> or All the right. other one would be that one that goes, you know, that big one. You walk in and there's a big yes. one and then it winds out to the left and right. Yes, oh, with a grand piano at the bottom. <laughs> I think that's what they have at uh, the Sheffield's residence in the nanny. No. Fuck. They no, don't. Just got the one stairs, that goes up. Yeah, it's... No, I'm thinking of Annie. Probably. Mr. Warbucks. Or are you thinking of Clueless? Clueless. Cher Horowitz's house. Which was based on uh, the novel by that lady. Read that in a quiz yesterday. Thanks for sharing. Wow, it's lady, great you absorb... Pride and Prejudice lady. 
Jane Austen. And Jane Austen novel, that's not that one. Sense and Sensibility. Not that one. This doesn't matter. Emma? Regretting bringing it up. Emma. Bam. It's not based on Emma, is it? Apparently, according to the ages middle section. Man, I destroyed the beginners. Those five questions. Oh, those were, five ones pointed on. Bang, 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 bang. And then he got clueless. And then I went clueless on clueless. And uh, from then on, really was like, I don't understand these words. Sure. Let alone, okay. So at face value, the four pens uh, were equal. Oh, they're on spiral staircase. Some of them spiral staircases were taller than others. <gasps> Um, and those ones were trying, there was a, just a little, he had all these little tweaks that were trying to like manipulate things so that, um, the ones with the shorter spiral staircases would be, he's like, it's a little incentive for the rats to go into that pen. Um, but he said later that that, that didn't have a huge effect on things. Mm. Um, other biasing factors he, in, uh, he brought in. Uh, to encourage different use of the four pens included. The fences separating the pens were electrified so that the rats couldn't climb them. Utopia, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously the walls are electric, (laughs) as all utopias, as I picture them. Uh, Is there a day spa? uh, Yes, it's also electric. (laughs) I would not go in there. Is there a pool? Yes, full of piranhas. Interesting. Utopia piranhas. So far, ticking all my boxes. So far, so good. So good. According to Calhoun's report, ramps across three of the partitions enabled, like bridges, you know, Mm. uh, across three of the electric partitions enabled the animals to get from one pen to another and so traverse the entire room. With no ramps to permit crossing of the fourth partition, however, the pens on each side of it became the end pens so it was sort of topologically a row of four. You know what I mean? It's like a U-shape. You can only go in one single line to get around. Right, gotcha. You can't get across that one last barrier. So you can basically get the two end ones, uh, which was pen one and four, and then pen two and three, the middle ones that you would have to mm-hmm. go through to get from one to four. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and once you're in one or four, you can get back out. Sorry? You can get back out of one yes, and four you can. to go So you can go either way. Yeah, the can, semicircle? You can go in that semicircle as much as you like, you know, theoretically. The rats had to make, this is still uh, quoting from his report, the rats had to make a complete circuit of the room to go from the pen we designated one to the pen we designated four, as I just sort of fucking said. On the other side of the partition separating the two, this arrangement of ramps immediately skewed the mathematical probabilities in favour of a higher population density in pens two and three than in pens one and four. Which I think, does that make sense? So two and three, the middle two pens, probability is higher that that's where people, people, rats, will end up (coughs) because they have to go through those. They're not at the end. They're in the middle. So anyone passing through... Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. You're the maths man. You understand that makes sense, right? He's the scat man. Sorry, the scat man. Yeah. Where do they shit? (laughs) Basically, pens two and three could be reached by two ramps, whereas pens one and four could only be reached by one. Okay, now that makes mathematical sense. Uh, He went on to say that there was space for a colony of 12 adults in each of the four pens, meaning that the setup should have been able to support 48 rats comfortably. At the stabilised population of 80, if the rats distributed themselves equally, Dave, how many would that be in each of of the four? Six and a half. 20 adult rats in each pen. 80 divided by four. 
Oh, sorry. I thought you meant across all. Isn't there twelve? Uh, isn't there three of? You assumed I was asking a much more difficult question, right? Which makes sense. Why would I have asked you that question? I thought I was just throwing out. I thought I was taking candy from a rat baby, but <laughs> um. <laughs> so that's that's how you sort of would have almost expected it because of those tweaks and those other mathematical probabilities. It meant that that's not how it went. It didn't go twenty in each. Um, the animals sort of ended up pretty lopsided across the four. Over time, the rats began distributing themselves unevenly across the pens, and as expected, the smaller groups established themselves in pens one and four, while the larger groups ended up in the middle pens. Interestingly, though, the female rats uh, were relatively spread equally across the four pens, while the males were concentrated heavily in the middle pens. So if there were 40 females, it was about 10 females in each of the four, but the males were really um, hanging out in those middle two pens. Calhoun noted in his article, one major factor in the creation of this state of affairs was the struggle for status that took place among the males. Shortly after male rats reach maturity, at about six months of age, they enter into a round robin of fights that eventually fixes their position in the social hierarchy. That's <laughs> a round robin. It's awesome. If I beat Matt, I'll fight you. <laughs> like Australian Open tennis tournament style. Yeah. Topman Cup. That's awesome. Uh, in our experiments, such fights took place among the males in all the pens, both middle and end. In the end pens, however, it became possible for a single dominant male to take over the area as his territory. During the period... Just has to piss all over it. Yeah, I mean, easy done, mate. Mm. It's a similar way how you own this pod studio, JP. Pissed in that corner. Oh, it smells awful, but you win. You win again. I had a lot of asparagus. (laughs) During the period when the social hierarchy was being established, the subordinate males in all pens adopted the habit of arising early. So these are the the non-dominant males get up earlier than the dominant males. This enabled them to eat and drink in peace, right, before the big bully dudes got up. Since rats generally eat in the course of their normal wanderings, the subordinate residents of the end pens were likely to feed in one of the middle pens, you know, as they go for their morning stroll. Sure. Oh, that's (laughs) kind of nice. So, you know, if you're on a stroll, likelihood is you're going to catch them in Stop for brunch. I am a bit over on toast. Mm. You've got to walk off your meal afterwards as well. You do, you got to. Uh, when after feeding, though, they wanted to return to their original quarters, they would find it very difficult. By this time, the most dominant male in the pen would probably have awakened and he would engage the subordinates in fights as they try to come down the one ramp into the pen if they're going back into one of the end pens, one or four, right, because there's only one entry in. So the dominant male could be waiting there going, oh, you think you come back in here? Oh. oh, good luck. Yeah? Put him up, fuckhead. <laughs> right, and he puts up his little rat, Dukes. Yep. And it's on. Uh, for a while, the subordinate would continue its efforts to return to what had been its home pen, but after a succession of defeats, it would become so conditioned that it would not even uh, make the attempt. You know, they'd just start going, all right. I don't live here anymore. I don't live here anymore. I get it. I get it, big man. In essence, the dominant male established his territorial dominion and his control over a harem of females, not by driving the other males out, but by preventing their return. This utopia sounds fantastic. Where do I sign? Yeah. Fantastic for one rat only. Even then. I know. Electric fences. Even then you still have to be a rat. Yeah, yeah. You're still a rat in a box. 
electrocuted. But you've got six girlfriends. That's too many. Oh, God, they nag your ears off. And you've only got two? And then what? Fucking hell. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, what? Valentine's Day, a nightmare. Ooh. Six girlfriends. Jesus. Ten. Ten girlfriends. God. Once a male had established his dominion over an, op- uh, an end pen and the harem it contained, he was usually able to maintain it. Although he slept a good deal of the time, yeah, pretty good, uh, he made his sleeping quarters at the base of the ramp, so he's basically on perpetual guard. Awakening as soon as another male appeared at the head of the ramp, he had to only open his eyes for the evader to wheel around and return to the adjoining Whoa, pen. Whoa, they're really scared of him. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, this is happening across a few different experiments. So it's not just in, happening in, in one. multiple pens. They're all actually, sleeping at the bottom of the ramp. Yeah. They've all got their little harm. It's actually just because their farts are really bad. So the others oh, would get close and go, oh, oh, go back, go back. And as soon as they open their eyes, they open their ass. <laughs> yeah. You see the eye open I mean, and you're like, oh, God. That's just biology. <laughs> Come on, eyes open, ass is open. We don't need the experiment for this. Yeah, I know that. My eyes are wide open. I know, mate. You're too blue and you're brown. (laughs) (laughs) Something I found interesting was the that Calhoun noted when the dominant rat, uh, when the dominant rat's female mates came and went because they they also went out and fed and you know went for a wander. When they came back, the male dominant male rat didn't even seem to notice. Like he just kept sleeping. So it was only so he had some sort of sense of when it was a male subordinate coming back that he knew to awake mm. and to scare him off. But if it was the females, he just seemingly sleep, just sleep through it as they'd come Smell? and go. Yeah, I guess it's some Pheromones? Sort of, I guess it's bloody pheromones. Maybe ferret moans. No, <laughs> I'm editing that out. <laughs> Two and a half beers and I say ferret moans. <laughs> this is why I should never drink. I've I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard you say that. Ferret moans. Every time. Two and a half drinks. It's always this time of... Finally, this vaguely had context. And I say that very lightly. (laughs) There's no ferrets. I know, but at least we're talking about pheromones. That's true. It's very very close to relevant, Matt. Very close. Halfway there. Um, Ferrets are an animal. That's true. I I hadn't even considered that. Uh, the dominant male did tolerate some other males, though. These were males that respected the dominant male's status, right? So only ones who were like, you're the king. <laughs> He'd let them hang <laughs> you're around. You're the boss, Johnny. <laughs> I'm just coming in to give you a massage. <laughs> what was that What was that accent? You said the boss, Johnny. You started this. No, but you went, massage. It was <laughs> yeah. very confusing. No, when you said it, it sounded like something. When he said yeah. it, it didn't. <laughs> New York. Okay. I'm jo- Johnny, I'm just going to give you a massage. I'm New York in here. <laughs> I think I'm... New- massage? No, I, no, I'm New Joycey. I'm Joycey. Okay. I'm a Joycey rat. Okay. You've heard of the Joycey boy. What are you going to give Move Johnny? Over. I'm going to give him a massage. That's, that's wrong. That's not That's not right at all. Yeah, it Where's is. Where's that you sound coming it's from? A- Massage. It's a bit. What is that? Oh, your mouth makes weird shapes when you um, do it. If Christopher Walken was was raised in Jersey, that's what it is. Okay. A massage. Okay. I gotta get the gold watch. (laughs) (laughs) You understand? 
<laughs> lost at the end there. But I was oh, yeah, really just at the end, you lost. You really. had it. You had, so it. had it that whole time yeah, until right at the end. lost control. got Look, too big on you. I have not mentioned this again on the show, but unanimous support on Twitter for the way I say cartilage. Unanimous. Yeah, I mean, that's people, you know, pity. Pity support. Yeah, they're very sweet. Out that is sweet. That they're, is sweet. They're kind people. I don't it's, think because I don't think everyone else. You know, obviously, there's going to be some people with your, you know, certain qualities. Um, the majority of people are going. Oh, everyone unanimously agreed on the podcast. No one's thinking we better tweet in and let Jess and Matt know yeah. as well yeah. as everyone else. Yeah, like the job's been done. Yeah, Queensland, Whereas, Queensland was definitely wrong. I okay, you, you're not taking away at all what Matt's saying. They're wrong. And now, tweet in, would you would you say massage or do you say massage? <laughs> you sound like Bob from Becca. You know, uh, which one was Bob? Becca? He was the like the one who called himself Bob. He spoke in the third person, yeah, and he was like, I think he was designed to be annoying. Yeah, he was really annoying. Well, not all my characters are endearing. Some of them are just real. Real like Bob from Becca. Yeah, I could bring a bit of truth to this podcast. God, you're such an artist. Yes. <laughs> yes. And sync. Dave, shut up. Matt, do go on. So we're talking about the subordinate males who are allowed to hang around with the dominant males. Dominant yep. sources. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, these subordinate males were observed to inhabit the end pens in many of the experiments. These guys spent most of their time hidden in the nesting areas with the females. Yeah, with the ladies. They only left briefly to get food and water. As they respected the dominant male's position, they never attempted to bone any of the females. Oh, right. Out of respect. <laughs> the, for, sci- the scientists somehow for the dominant figured it out male. that it was out of respect. It's probably out of fear. For um, jo- respect for Johnny. When they encountered the dominant male, though, they would often make repeated attempts to bone him, and according to Calhoun... Generally, the dominant male to- tolerated these advances. So you started seeing some... It's like prison. Yeah, it started seeing some some sort of like different um, sexual things going on. Uh, mm. In pens one and four, in pens one and four, where the populations were the lowest uh, with one dominant male, the life expectancy was higher in the females and baby rats, whereas in the middle pens it was much lower. According to Calhoun's article, in the second series of experiments, 80% of the infants born in the middle pens died before weaning. Uh, in the first series, 96% perished before this time in some cases. Wow. Like, that's a pretty high percentage of not getting through um, infancy. Yeah. The way dominance in the males was established was through fights. Uh, the more fights they started and won, the more likely they were to become dominant. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, Calhoun noted that more than half the animals in each experiment gave up the struggle for status after a while, but among those that persisted, a clear-cut hierarchy developed. In the crowded middle pens, no one individual occupied the top position in this hierarchy permanently. In every group... <laughs> <laughs> little burp there, Matt. No. We were not going to let that go. In every group of 12 or more males, one was the most aggressive and most often the victor in fights. Nevertheless, this rat was periodically ousted from his position. At regular intervals during the course of their waking hours, the top-ranking males engaged in free-for-alls that culminated in the transfer of dominance from one male to another. 
In between these tumultuous changings of the guard, <laughs> relatively calm, relative calm prevailed. That's all direct from his scientific report. I love terms like uh, free-for-alls. Yeah. Scientific free-for-all. Yeah. Did he use the term boning? No, that was me. Right, okay. Yeah. You were paraphrasing. Yeah. What term would he use? He, he said dicking. Mm. <laughs> Give the My preferred terminology. Give Johnny yeah, a good sign. I mean, you know, you're a sign. A firm dicking. A firm dicking. A Charles Dickings. <laughs> Dickens. Fuck. <laughs> is that that's the author's name? Charles Dickings? <laughs> oh boy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding... Not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding, like, yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's, like, blowing up and yeah, it's, yeah. oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or oh. nails. Oh my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get mani pedis? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling's the best. Oh. Yeah. It looks like Jess has just uploaded something, what it, but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organize your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, underneath the dominant males, Calhoun broke the rest of the male population into three groups. Firstly, uh, there were pansexuals who didn't vie for status but would try to mate with any other rat regardless of sex and age and uh, was usually, you know, was uh, not fought off or whatever. Secondly, there was a group who was completely passive. They ignored all other rats and the other rats ignored them, even in mating times. Calhoun said... To the casual observer, the passive animals would have appeared to be the healthiest and most attractive members of the community. They were fat and sleek, and their fur showed none of the breaks and bare spots left uh, by the fighting in which males usually engage. But their social disorientation was nearly complete. And finally, uh, there were the probers, uh, which Calhoun describes as perhaps the strangest... Aliens. 
is that perhaps aliens and the strangest of all types that emerged among the males. The probers always lived in the middle pens and took no part in the status struggle, yet they were the most active of all the rats. They were hypersexual and also pansexual. Uh, they bypassed the normal rat courtship ritual, which according to Calhoun goes like this. Oh, my yep. God, yes, rat courtship. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, this is something that... Bunch of flowers. Okay, yes, Jess, I'd love to hear. Dinner and a movie. That's, oh. date, that's date number one. Dinner and a movie. That's phase one. Maybe a bit of a, a walk afterwards. Okay. Hold hands if you're feeling confident. Talk like, about what you've just seen. Yep. Second date. Bone. Wow, <laughs> nice. Classy. Class, classy. You're not that far off. Not really? that far off. And I mean, when I said classy there, I meant that sincerely. Dave, I reckon, was saying it from like up on a moral high horse. Slut shaming. I think it was slut shaming. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm in trouble for slut shaming a rat. Yeah. What is wrong with society? <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to find right. out with these experiments. Yeah, sorry, utopia. Yeah, uh, what's the rat courtship? So according to Calhoun, it goes like this. Phase one, the male pursues the female. She then retires into her burrow while <laughs> the male patiently waits outside. So I guess this is like the movie. Section. Yeah. Uh, he pokes his head in occasionally but never enters. How you doing in there? How you doing in still, still good? Still in there? Still, still in there? don't want to. Start here. If you need. If you need anything. If you need. Right. Only if you want. He sounds like a creep. No, I mean he's not. You know. He's poking his head into the dressing yeah, room. It's her call. That's nice. He's this, not let. Really. This is across rats everywhere, apparently. Right. Well, so what's phase two? Uh, this phase. Sorry. So, so this phase may also involve a dance, <gasps> but that's normally that. I think that's normally in the wild populations, not in these. Was um, this like Uma Thurman, John Travolta, Pulp Fiction? Yeah, style? real wild. Do they yeah. put on a little bow tie and a dress, and they go to a a, a venue? Yeah, they go to a venue. Oh, if you know what I mean. Jack Rabbit. What do you mean? I mean like a you know like a town hall. Oh, that's nice. Maybe like a yeah. Bit of music. Bit of music. A bar. Yeah. Finger food. Oh, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Classy. (laughs) Classy. Stop the slut shaming, Dave. (sighs) Then the female emerges from the burrow to accept the male's advances. If she wants to, I guess. How does she say no? Uh, Comes out and says, no thanks. She just does that. Mm -mm. One of those, ain't happening. Yeah. (laughs) Not on the cards. I'm using my hand to cut my neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of those. Like, uh, uh, uh. This process was followed by all other rats in the experiment, right? Apart from these. They all did the same thing. They all did the same. So she emerges, accepts, and then do they just go for it? Then they go, and then she brings them into the boudoir. Wow. I guess. Maybe just right there and then. Um, so everywhere is a boudoir when you're a rat. Blocking the entrance to the burrow, everyone else is like, "Can I go to bed?" Or... Yeah, it's like yeah, when your housemate has someone over or something, you're like, oh, I just wanna... can I... "How long do I have to stay?" I need before... to pee, but I can't really go out there. I need to take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> scat man. Scat... Whoa, scat rat. So all other rats, apart from the probers, right? Oh, they're the even the free spirits. Even the ones, well, yeah, they're the full-on ones. They're the most active uh, of everyone in this experiment. So even the other rats in the middle pens would follow that, even though there was overcrowded and that sort of stuff. But the probers, right? They wouldn't tolerate any period of waiting. When the female retired into the burrow, a prober would follow. Due to the state of the rat society, the probers would often find dead young ones in the nests, 
and over time, the probers would often become cannibalistic of these young dead babies. Oh, probers. I mean, they were sounding like the best one to be until that moment. Is it because the name was Prober? And it made you think of Proby from NCIS? Yes, McGee. What did you think was going to happen when I said they're the only ones who didn't follow the normal courtship? Did I just thought th- it meant that, that it was they just had like um, orgies. Love at first sight. Like, but like, you know, all in, like but 12 rats at a time. But sight. the probers were males only. Right. No lady probers. No, just lady victims <laughs> of probers. Right. I thought it was like, you know, there's six male probers, six ma- female probers, and everyone's That's just very organized. together. You know? It doesn't matter the numbers because everyone's into everyone. That's true. Orgy. But that's what I was thinking. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Mm -mm. I didn't foresee the cannibalism. (laughs) No, that was a surprise. Am I naive? (laughs) Am I? Maybe. So naive. I mean, what do you think utopia is about? Yeah. That is utopia. Electric fences and cannibalism. Yes. Eating the young. There were two sets of experiments uh, distinguished from each other with slight variations. In the first set of experiments, Calhoun noticed the development of a phenomenon which he famously dubbed the behavioural sink. Have you heard of that term, behavioural sink? I don't think so. I haven't heard of it, but apparently it was, quite a, it was a very important um, part of this whole research. It was a, an important discovery or suppose it a discovery, whatever, you know. Um which he explained was the outcome of any behavioural process that collects animals together in unusually great numbers. Calhoun went on to explain that the emergence of a behavioural sink was fostered by the arrangements that were made for feeding the animals. In these experiments, the food consisted of small hard pellets. Uh, This is in the first three. Small hard pellets that were kept in a circular hopper formed by wire mesh. This meant that it took quite a bit of effort for the rats to access their food, and as such, Calhoun realised that the chances were good that while one rat was eating, another would join it at the hopper because, because the, you know, it was taking so long that just the rats wandering past, as they normally do, we only eat when we're hungry and when it's available, normally by themselves, and they wouldn't really associate it as a social thing. Um, but that's what started to happen, right? They started eating together. Right, you see one rat eating, you're like, I want some of that. That's Yeah, sort of like that, right? So because it was taking so long, they just started doing it and they're like, oh, I'm eating, other rats are eating at the same time. This is how we do it. So as the population grew, the rats began to associate eating with being in the presence of other rats. Over time, the rats would rarely eat unless the feeders were already in use by other animals. Wow. And that, so that was a big change very quickly. And then after um, another sort of relatively short period of time, some of the rats would actually um, build little tables <laughs> and put those lovely red and white checkered um, tablecloths oh, over. beautiful. A bit of vino and then they'd, you know, one a few of the rats had little moustaches and they'd be like, oh. And do they re- turn the pellets into spaghetti bolognese? Oh, that's nice. They'd one would start at one end of the pellet oh. and the other would start at the other oh, end of the pellet. And I, to be honest, the pellets were very small and that was oh. it. The lady and the rat. Have you ever tried a lady and the rat with lady and the tramp with spaghetti? With a dog? No, with a person. No to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha
<laughs> but no, I haven't. I have, I have not done. It. Have you I done? I picture that. Yes. We're going. Have you ever tried a lady in the tramp with the dog? Is that you? You start at one end of the dog and your date starts at the other end of the dog. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, I'm, t- I'm misunderstood, which is embarrassing. <laughs> I could tell because you did not laugh when we had a bloody good time. Get on board, Stuart. And, and yeah, I have, and it, it's. Is it beautiful? So beautiful. I do like spaghetti. Matt, let's try it now. If there was spaghetti here, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd definitely fight you for it, which is <laughs> how I understand that scene to play out. You're yeah. the big, big Johnny Rat. Johnny Rat. Calhoun continued saying the process became a vicious cycle as more and more of the rats tended to collect at the hopper in one of the middle pens the other hoppers became less desirable as eating places. Right, so places became trendy. Yeah, it's like we want to eat where there's a queue, basically. <laughs> no, this other place which has the exact same kind of food, no line. It just doesn't have the same vibe. Mm-hmm. How do you say? <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, there it is. Nailed it. Pastiche. I'm going to look up what that means one day. <laughs> How would you type it into Google, though? Uh, okay, Google. What the fuck does <laughs> je ne sais quoi mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Siri told me to fuck off. All right. <laughs> Rough. Brutal. Brutal, Siri. The rats that were eating at these undesirable locations, finding themselves deserted by their group mates, would transfer their feeding to the more crowded pen. Oh, come on. By the time the three experiments in the first series drew to a close, half or more of the populations were sleeping as well as eating in that pen. Well, they all went. They hopper. went, so they not just started eating, but they just started ending up through all these things, you know, the dominant male pushing a lot of males in, but it just ended up meaning like they were all clumped into that one pen together. Uh, as a result, there was a decided increase in the number of social adjustments each rat had to make every day. Regardless of which pen a rat slept in, it would go to one particular middle pen several times a day to eat. Therefore, it was compelled daily to make some sort of adjustment to virtually every other rat in the experimental population. So this is one thing that Calhoun sort of talks about a lot is like people almost having a – or people is when he was extrapolating, but um, having a limited amount of social interactions in them a day, you know? mm. which I, I think I feel like that sometimes. It does feel ring true a little bit. Yeah, like, I feel like we often see you at the end of that kind of day. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Where you have had enough. I've had enough of this. But we're forcing you to have another social interaction. And record it. Yeah. <laughs> and pretend you're having fun. Look, guys, I love this. This is my favourite thing to do. I genuinely look forward to it every time. I didn't believe a word of that. Did you, David? I zoned out. Because <laughs> when I hear a lie, I don't want to hear a lie. Mm-hmm. I, I hear nothing. <laughs> so why you zoned out when Jess was making a suck job joke before? <laughs> I'm so sorry. You didn't feel the truth and the humour. Look, if she said the word suck job, I would have been there. <laughs> Did you not? You know, maybe you didn't say suck I didn't job. didn't say suck job. No one says suck job. No, what is that? Don't answer that. Uh, I think it is what you think it is. Uh, it's a, a <laughs> Okay, Google. <laughs> What's a suck job? Oh, okay. When you're a vacuum cleaner. When hmm. you're, you're, em- you're, em- you're employed as a vacuum cleaner. Okay. <laughs> I've got a Dyson. <laughs> yeah, Dyson is a <laughs> suck I, job. How do I do it? In the second series of experiments, they did not observe behavioural sinks developing as they used a different feeder. That's the main change they did in these this second set of experiments. On these experiments, they used a powdered food, which was much quicker and easier for the rats to eat. 
This lowered the probability that two rats would eat at the same time, so the vicious cycle never began. Right. They did start, when they noticed that, Calhoun um, put in water that uh, the water fountains that were similar to the old pellet systems that took longer to drink and did find that that started having the effect of social drinking so that the rats would uh, drink together. But um, it didn't have as big of an effect because rats tend to have a drink when they wake up in the morning, so it didn't affect their day as much, oh. and it didn't le- it didn't lead to that vicious cycle that led to the the behavioural sink. But when they started drinking together, was there a lot more like teen pregnancy and things like that? Oh, there was. I mean, they reach <laughs> teen pregnancy. I mean, I'm telling you, they reach <laughs> maturity at six months. Right. Teen pregnancy would be a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> How long can a rat live? Okay, uh, Google. <laughs> okay, Google. It's like how you're responding to Google now. Okay, Google. Okay. I think we've had enough. Yeah. Yeah, that, okay, Google. It just won't turn off. That's enough social drinking. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay Google. The middle pen females built less and less adequate nests and eventually stopped building nests at all. Right, this is another thing that was observed. Uh, on this, Calhoun wrote, the first sign of disruption was a failure to build the nest to a normal specifications. These fam- these females simply piled the strips of paper in a heap. So this is how they built their nests. Mm. Lots of paper, lots of paper strips, and they'd sort of function it into a into like a sort of a nest? cup-shaped nest. Like a nest. <laughs> cup. I don't know. What's something that could help you guys understand a nest? Like a cup. <laughs> Or a nest. Yeah, no, no, Jess was right there. You could also think of it as a nest. It's like a nest-shaped cup. If you, if you can picture a nest. You're like halfway that. there. You're halfway there. <laughs> you fucking idiot. So that's what they usually do. So that's what they usually do. Um, but they were just sort of piling the strips of paper in a heap and sometimes trampling them into a pad that showed little signs of cup formation. Thank you. Thank you, Calhoun, coming in with the goods there. That's, I knew I didn't come up with cup from nowhere. Straight from bloody Calhoun's mouth. His rat mouth. Or his cup. <laughs> Straight from his cup. The cuppeth overflow with knowledge from Calhoun. The cuppeth overflow? That's something. That's Shakespeare right there. Thank you. Uh, later in the experiment, they would bring fewer and fewer strips to the nesting site. In the midst of transporting a bit of material, they would drop it. Uh, to engage in some other activity occasioned by contact and interaction with other individuals they met on the way. So they'd bump into someone and go, oh. <laughs> Jenny! It is great to see you. I have not seen you in weeks. And be very distracted, whereas, like, in normal circumstances, that wouldn't happen. They'd be very focused on the task at hand. They'd be building the nest, right? right. In the extreme disruption of their behaviour during the later months of the population's history, they would build no nests at all but would bear their litters on the sawdust in the burrow box, just as as is, which is uh, not ideal. He went on to say that the middle pen females similarly lost the ability to transport their litters from one place to another. They would move only part of their litters and would scatter them by depositing the infants in different places or simply dropping them on the floor of the pen. The infants thus abandoned throughout the pen were seldom nursed. They would die where they were dropped, and were thereupon generally eaten by the adults. Ooh. Utopia. <laughs> Calhoun suggested that in time, failures of reproductive function would have caused the colonies to die out entirely, which I guess is the silver lining there, this hell. And some, <laughs> the I think one, one, is that 
It will end. It, 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 yeah, it would have and it did. But the uh, one of his assistants publicly said it was hell. It was rat hell. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, this is fucked. This all it's all fucked. But sorry, spoiler alerts. I mean, it's all equally fucked to that. It doesn't get much more fucked. At the end of the first series of experiments, he took the healthiest four male and four females and let them live in more normal circumstances, right? Just to see if there was ongoing, like down a couple of generations, were they affected by... Right, because they learn how to do their normal stuff again. Right, exactly. Um, But he found that even though they were in the prime of their life and they no longer lived in overpopulated environments, they produced fewer litters in the next six months than would normally have been expected and none of the offspring that were born survived to maturity. None of them? None of them. Weird. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's all pretty fucked. Uh, the article that I've been quoting uh, from, so you know, a lot of the, that stuff was direct from his report, which is there's no footage, there's very few photos, there's some uh, illustrations, or not pu- publicly <laughs> available um, They're in photos. crayon. <laughs> yeah, not and it's like a very poorly drawn big rat and then some writing that's backwards that says rat. Rat. <laughs> and rat, a little rat, arrow. Yeah. So, that, so that report is where it all is from. So most of that was direct from the horse's mouth. Um, the cat's mouth. And it, well, the cat, cat's dad's mouth. <laughs> cat dad. Cat dad. Um, Daddy the, cat. Scattered about that. Matt, come on. That's funny. Go on. Scoobity bop bop bop. Skillibimba. Skillibimba. Oh, ah. A little paca. Wobble I spent about 15 hours on this. <laughs> We're just shitting all over it. Speaking of which. Farts are very funny. They're so funny. So anyway, this article that I've been quoting from got very popular. It blew up, right? People at the f- time? At the time. Right. People were super fascinated by the experiments and Calhoun's findings. He became somewhat of a celebrity. <laughs> a rat celebrity. In, in later years, he met the Pope. Wow. Yeah. Um, People started comparing the results to uh, humans and drawing conclusions that the increasingly populated urban areas were heading for similarly disastrous ends. We're all going to eat our babies. There's going to be one big Johnny at the bottom of our ramps. And we're not going to have homes. We're just going to fucking... Shit on the floor. Shit on the floor. <laughs> no, cups. I think they're right. I think they're right. We're doomed. They were, they were genuinely worried about that back then because, you know, those urban areas were starting to explode in population. Population density was increasing at a pretty fast rate. Um, and there was already that kind of worry about these things. So uh, this played right into that. Uh, they wanted to find out if the findings would transfer to humans, but results were inconclusive. This isn't him. This is others. Mm. Um, it sort of many other uh, experiments were going on with humans themselves. Um they put humans in four quadrants. Four, but the same quadrant? So it's the, they're built for they're rats. wearing them as a belt, basically. Yeah. There's four guys just standing, <laughs> looking right at each other going, yeah, this is no this good. This is weird. I don't like and this And one of them's all. going, all the women are mine. And one of them's and, going, I'm going to eat you. And all the fences are electric, so they're permanently... Touching a ah, fence. Ah, 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 ah. 
bad. It's still, it's still a utopia. This rat food tastes pretty good, huh? You gotta try the bolognese. Oh, so good. Luigi does it so well. Luigi. Oh God. What? That's a name, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but results were inconclusive. Certainly nothing like the apocalyptic findings of the rat studies of Calhoun. No human behaviour sinks could be found in any of the studies that were taken out. Calhoun went back to conduct more experiments at NIM, back where he enjoyed it uh, in the rat in the rodent world. Well, of course, it's not going to be the the same sort of sink because humans are already social animals, unlike the rats naturally. Rat, so rats aren't social at but all. Didn't you, say that, didn't you say that before, that usually they would not stop, they'd eat, eat soli- in solitary, they wouldn't like, yeah, stop the, to have a chat, but I'll, humans are like, hey, how are you? Yeah, there's a lot of things. That they were, they're definitely rats and humans are not exactly the same, if that's what you mean. <laughs> Case closed. Are they not? No, no. We don't have that fairy tale. I thought it was like yams and sweet potatoes, like, you know, same thing. No, it is. You're both right. Science. Somehow. Somehow. Uh, so we went back to Nim. Uh, this would prove to be his most famous mouse universe experiment. Oh, my God. Mouse universe. For a second, I thought you were going to say mouse university. And I was like, oh, that's fucking cute. <laughs> oh, that's great. Look at him in their little lectures. What are you learning about? Astrophysics? Of course you are. You're a smart little mouse. <laughs> He's got little glasses on. Fuck, that's cute. <laughs> this episode called Mouse Universe, Matt? <laughs> uh, could be. Oh, that's a good title. I've got it down as the mouse universe experiments, I think. Oh, perfect. Oh, great. Um, so he later published the findings of his article. So he did it again. It was On BuzzFeed. It was all sort of behind closed doors. I reckon that's what he'd do today. Real science. He said, a, what did he say? All in brawl or something? I love it. Free for all. He talks in very, yeah, like very, very uh, easily readable layman Chat. The mouse uses its rat chompers to eat the food. Do you mean teeth? Yeah, rat chompers. Again, what accent is that? Rat chompers. (laughs) (laughs) I broke him. I broke him. It's okay, Dave. Hey, Dave, Dave, come back. Oh, fuck you. Come back, Dave. Fuck you real good. Oh, see, now he's, he's stuck in the character. I don't know how we're going to get Dave back. Dave. 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 my rat chomp. No, this is a safe place. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, chomp out of every situation. Okay, Matt, you just keep going and Dave will come back eventually. So we're back at NIM, right? Mouse Universe Experiment's going on. This is a big one. This is a big famous one. Um, and he, the, the findings he published... In an article titled Death Squared, The Explosive Growth and Demise of a Mouse Population. Far out, that's cool. Death Squared. That was cool, but the rest of it wasn't as cool. Dave, are you back? Oh, sorry. Hello. Where'd I go? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) This article opens. I shall largely speak of mice, but my thoughts are on man, on healing, on life and its evolution. Okay, all right. Threatening life and evolution are the two deaths. Okay. Death of the spirit oh, fuck and off. death of the body. Now he's a philosopher. Is this a scientist? No. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I guess not really. <laughs> sort of. He, I'm picturing him in a white coat. Yeah. He, I saw a video of him smoking a pipe. No, you didn't. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> 
That's cool. I believe you. You know who else smokes a pipe? Stanton Friedman. Remember the guy that was yeah. the UFO? It's got, it's got a little bit of that vibe been, about it. Like Stanton. Well, he, this, what is this guy? An ethologist or something? What was the word again? Yeah, that was right. Yeah. Same diff. Ufologist. Ufologist. Ethologist. Uh, so he, in the article, he references the Bible a bit as well, oh, okay. which is what you want in science. Science. Um, he includes uh, mentions of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Science. Science. Very science. One of the f- four horsemen is, of course, science. The four ratmen of the apocalypse. So the Mouse Universe experiment. Uh, so this one is also known as Universe 25. He's built many of these things over the time. Uh, began in 1968. There were many similarities to the rat experiments, uh, as in there was plenty of food sources, nesting areas, all the bloody things they want mm-hmm. in a utopia. Mm-hmm. Water, unlimited supply of all these things. Again, the only obvious catch was that there was a limit on space. Um, there were some differences, though. Instead of Norway rats, uh, Calhoun brought in albino house mice. Uh this enclosure was different too, to suit mice better. It was more vertical with mesh tunnels leading up to housing areas which were referred to as walk-up apartments oh. by Calhoun. Oh, a split level. Just this d- doesn't. This does, doesn't. This does strike me with uh, the fact that it resembles The Sims a lot. No. Yeah, this guy's just playing Sims. He's just playing Sims before The Sims existed with mice. Yeah. Okay. I've never. Only real pain. Put my Sims Mice Sims? <laughs> Did you? So you actually played with Mice Sims? Wow. That is very, that's more similar than I think even Dave realised. Yeah, I was I just joking around, but apparently. I don't understand what you mean. I don't get it. What do you mean? What do you get at? And tell me, Jess. Yes, you, Dave. You've locked one of these Mice Sims, as you call them, uh, in a bedroom without a door and a fireplace and set fire to the room. Have you done this? I've never done that, David. I help them achieve their dreams. Have you ever put a mice sim in the pool and taken away the pool ladder so they swim around until they drown? Is this true? I put it to you, Miss Perkins. Bit of cat mousey. No yeah. comment. That always guilty. means yes. That always means guilty. Guilty. I think we got her. We got her right where we bloody want her. I mean, if you're a sim, even if you're a mouse sim, surely you don't need the ladder to get Just use a bit like... I know. A little, just a push, little push-up. A bit of incentive. Bloody hell, you're dying and yep. you can't find the strength to pull yourself up out of a pool? Yeah. Or to go to the shallow end and just stand there. Stand there. No, they won't do it. I don't think there's shallow ends in uh, in their pools. Oh, that's that's a terrible not, design yeah, flaw. it's not safe at And all. they are mice. So, I mean, yeah. obviously they probably don't have human upper body strength. <laughs> probably. Can't guarantee it. Don't I'm know. no Calhoun. You're no ethologist. Uh Calhoun estimated that up to 3,800 mice could live here. So a much bigger... Could live here. And die here. <laughs> get uh, busy livering or get mm-hmm. busy diaring. Diaring? <laughs> I do not like... Oh, I man. do not like the poo. <laughs> Finally, a joke on this show. <laughs> They got us all. <laughs> that was the hardest I've ever made Dave laugh. Wow. That and is it was by making a fart noise. Fun fact, better on my right hand. Ooh, a well-timed fart noise, I'll put it to you. Thank you. You can't get out of lawyer mode, I'll put it to you. I'll, I'll put, put it to you, you. my lady. 
Can you confirm your whereabouts during the fart? <laughs> I was right in front of you, Dave. Yeah. Producing so, the fart. Hmm. So three thousand eight hundred miles, right? Um, that's shitload. That's way more than the old one. Uh, yeah, the old one of of the rat of forty comfortably rat, rat up to eighty. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, Rat City was was bigger, but the uh, the ones. Beyond rats, Rat City was the one in the big outdoor area of his neighbor. Right, but still, they only had what two hundred or something. Yeah, it only ever got up to two hundred, but that was it was had the ability to go bigger, like five thousand, I think that one. Right. So this one isn't even quite as big as that one, um, but it's still you know big. Uh, but this time, unlike the rat ones where he said he would limit it to eighty, he he wasn't going to limit it at all. It was going to be hands off. Whatever happens, happens. In terms of numbers, right? Um, the experiment began with four pairs of mice introduced into the new habitat. The first 104 days were called uh, by Calhoun the adjustment phase, as the first eight mice figured out their surroundings and their new mice friends. <laughs> <laughs> Was that his words? That I think. No, that's. I mean, that's. That's adorable. I think he his words were 104 days. The rest, the rest were mine. Little mice friends, they're having mixes, uh, barbecues, ca- <laughs> just catching up, just playing some playing pool. some icebreaker games. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jess, 27, Virgo. Virgo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the uh, ice is broken, Jess. Yeah. Are we are we soulmates yet? Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so during that time, the, the that was just the those original mice, right? No births were ha- happened at that point. How long's a rat pregnancy? Uh, months, some amount of days. Wouldn't be that long. You not, wouldn't not think. as long. Not as long as not as long as a human. Mm. I'll almost guarantee that. Mm. Calhoun called phase two the exploitation phase. During this phase, the population grew quickly, doubling around every two months. So I guess. That should help us understand that. A couple of months, maybe? If it doubles every two months? No. It'd be less than that then, right? Dave, do the math. Well, there's a lot of variables. There's lots. It's always variables with Dave. Okay, Google. Uh, How long does Rat City take to double? (laughs) Google? Google. She hung up. So it reached over 600 mice by day 315. But from this point, the numbers grew much slower, doubling around every five months. This period was dubbed the stagnation phase. On day 600, the final mouse that survived uh, birth was born, bringing the population to 2,200 mice. The final mouse down. down. You said the final mouse that survived birth. Yes, so from then on, no mice survived. Wow, that's crazy. None. Infancy, wow. yeah. So that, so it peaked at 2,200, which was about 1,600 less than the space allowed for. In the time the population grew from 600 to 2,200, the mice societal structures broke down. It was noted that the mice grouped together in one area of the pen again, only this time without any trickery from Calhoun. So there was no food tricks or um, ladder tricks or anything like that, Yeah, they could have gone. It was pretty open for them to move around. Um, 
but they didn't. They still sort of clumped in one area. During the stagnation phase, the mice mirrored many of the behaviours of the rats in the previous experiments. In the wild, mice who don't find a click, I don't know if that's what they call them or whatever, they just go. They leave that, that mice colony, go elsewhere, right? But obviously in this case, they can't do that. Mm. So the mice who didn't find a spot in, in their little society oh, no. just sort of withdrew and just sort of zombied. You know, they just sort of floated oh. through life. So, huh. um, the males ended up living on the ground of the enclosure and they would often fight with one another. Often one of these zombie sort of mice, that's not what he called them, that's what I'm going to call them, but they would just cop it. They'd just take a beating, right? Because they, they just sort of had no real will to live. They didn't oh. have a purpose. Uh with the females in a similar scenario where they didn't find a spot, uh, they retreated to the highest part of the enclosure, and this is when the behaviour sink began. The following phase was the final phase, which Calhoun titled the death phase, which... Sounds promising. It's ominous. Jess was quite closer oh. to the... Prominous. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the most... No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank no, you. thank you. Uh so the death phase, the most notable part of this phase was that there was a whole generation of young who were rejected by their mothers, meaning that they didn't know how to behave properly when they reached maturity. The females, of so the rejected female rats grew up um, to have less offspring themselves and the offspring they did have, they showed no maternal instinct towards at all. Mm. So they just didn't. They didn't, didn't help with its homework. That's right. Right, so they all started the flunking out of math. Exactly. Oh, that's not on. Because I mean, they 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 never had it. They never had it shown to them, so they didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I guess the males. So, but no instinct is interesting. I thought some of that was just inborn. Yeah. Inborn. In. Ingrained. Ingrained. Jason Bourne. That's it. Who else? Quite different. Jason Grain. Jason Grain. <laughs> My local butcher. Good on you, Jason. He would have, you know, everyone would have thought we know what Jason Gray is going to be a baker, but no, mm. Mm. he really went fuck you, mum and dad. Yeah, I'm going to butch. <laughs> I'm going to butch. I was born to butch. Is that he, what they call it? As Jim, as Johnny Grain always used to say, mm. or get, whatever his name was moments Jason. ago. Get, <laughs> get busy butching, <laughs> and so on and so yeah. forth. The males of this generation, so the the lost males, the, the the male babies that were booted out, were uh, grew up and ended up not being interested in boning at all. Right? They never got into fights. Uh, they spent all their time sleeping, eating, drinking, and grooming themselves. Sound familiar? <gasps> no. Millennials. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very interested in boning. Yeah, sorry, it's that, but but with boning, with added boning. They were soon dubbed by Calhoun and his team the beautiful ones. Oh. Uh, he thinks he's God, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So the beautiful ones ended up, like, because they didn't have any any fights, so they just had this beautiful coat. They were grooming themselves all the time, very well fed and all that sort of stuff. So they were just they were just hot mice. <laughs> oh. Hot mice with nothing to do with it. Was Calhoun attracted to these mice? Yeah. Did he ever think about boning the mice? <laughs> You're my beautiful ones. Who's my little beautiful mouse? 
Did he kiss the mice, Matt? Did he kiss the mice? Did he mention that in his he report? He didn't mention that in his report, Did but he... he didn't mention that he didn't kiss the yep. mice. But he did describe in great detail what mouse kisses feel like. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I don't know, I can't tell you how I got this information, <laughs> I've, I've, but I have... I've come across this information. That's all I can say. And oh my. I've already said too much. Oh me, oh my. Mouse kisses. Between the beautiful males and the non-maternal females, the demise of the population was sealed. Breeding would never resume as these patterns of behaviour were permanently changed. Conclusions were drawn at the time that the results were evidence of the dangers of an overpopulated world and that when all social roles are filled, competition and stress experience will lead to a total breakdown of social behaviours leading to the demise of the population. I think I got that sweet, some of that sweetness from Wikipedia. That's a great line though, right? That's good. Poetry. I just like the word demise, to be honest. Anytime. Demise is great. Love that word. Uh, Calhoun finished his article with a warning about how the fate of these mice may end up being the fate of humankind, saying... For an animal so complex as man, there is no logical reason why a comparable sequence of events should not also lead to species extinction. What, because it happened to an animal that's not as complex as man? (laughs) There's no logical reason, Dave. Read and weep. (laughs) I'm weeping. His work has been lauded and criticised over the years, but there is no doubt it's been very influential. Still talked about. Um, Certainly back then it was seen as being super important, um, According to the Smithsonian website, the work tapped into the era's feeling of dread that crowded urban areas heralded the risk of moral decay. They also noted that a bunch of science fiction works like Soylent Green played on Calhoun's ideas. Wow. So it's influential in artistic fields as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, in the creative fields. Uh, I quite liked this Smithsonian article a lot. It, was, it seemed to be like... Uh, Pretty level-headed about it. It was also quoting a lot from this um, article on io9 Gizmodo uh, by Esther Inglis Arkel. Um, and, and they were sort of talking about how interpretations of his work has changed. And Inglis Arkel talks about how the enclosures uh, he created weren't really overcrowded. Rather, it was isolation that enabled aggressive mice to stake out territory. It wasn't overcrowded, it was isolation. And also... Enclosures. Being an enclosure. <laughs> I mean, it's in the word, enclosed. Yeah, right. Well, because enclosed. They, well, because they can't, there's not enough, they can't get away. Can't get away. So normally those, some of those ones that, you know, were starting to behave weird, you know, they would just move on. Right. So they would, they can't really find a normal level because the, mm. the excess rolls... You know, they, they don't create new roles for, for the bigger they get. Yeah. It's like prison, you know. It's not natural. I think that's why they they actually, around that time, they, was, they figured out that the prisons were the best place to do similar tests on humans. Um, but they right. even found in that case there's some similarities but not really not enough that this is super important to, you know, to relate it all to humans. Uh so in her article, uh, Inglis Arkell wrote, uh, instead of a population problem, one could argue that Universe 25 had a fair distribution problem, which maybe that you could um, relate to the world today. So that's the story. That's the report. I don't know. What do, you get? do you feel like you guys learnt anything from those studies? Yeah, I learned a lot about rats. 
Right. I was listening. The mating. To process. the rat bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the majority of it. The mi- oh, You tuned out for the mice. What? What's a mouse? <laughs> I mean, you said it in a... Enclosure. No, I do. I thought that was really interesting. I've never heard of those experiments. No, me either. Those things, with experiments like that, you feel like they probably have a lot of benefit that you don't know about, but then you also think, that's really fucked. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's so but so much fucked to those. Of, of that stuff, you know, of science experiments over the last couple hundred years. I've had some horrible downsides, but then also we've learned a lot of good things out of them, so it's difficult yeah, war, to say. wars brought technology on further, yeah, but is, it, is right. it worth the cost of a war? But I'm just impressed when people can, like, stick to studies like that for long periods of time. Just anyone who can do anything for just a long period of time. Slowly. I have commitment issues. Do you reckon you just put the mice in there and then walk away and forget about it? I'd go on back? holiday. They had, like, they had viewing platforms. The rooms were built around so they could just watch well, them I was from wondering, angles. Oh, my God. So, like, they wouldn't see the humans that much. No, but you, so it wasn't they like could. They, they'd, they'd see the humans drop the food in, like, there was machines to... Ah, no, I don't know about. I assume that that may have been the humans getting right in there. I think they, they, yeah. I mean, they're all other things that. How do you, how do you um, factor that into your findings? Yeah, because aren't people? I don't know. Do rats notice that the food's yeah, coming from? It's like these weird god-like creatures. Yeah. Um, they all, there was also an interesting part that I read about in one of these. I think one of the middle ones are the rat things. If you when you first went in there, you couldn't breathe. It took you quite a while to readjust. To the stench. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Of course. And that's where they're working every day. You've just become used to it, which doesn't feel like an ideal well, we quality bloody, of air. We bloody put up with it in here, don't we? <laughs> You're going to make that very hard to edit out, all of that. Success, Jess. Success. I do have a couple of quick fun facts, which Jess, um, you know, it's a, they're both a roll of the dice. Oh, all the fun. <laughs> Um, but that's, I mean, that's why I like to play the game. Uh, Jess tells me I'm an idiot, a.k.a. I'm attempting fun facts. Okay. Fun fact number one of two. Rory <laughs> Calhoun, so we're talking about today, we're talking about another Calhoun, John B. Calhoun. Rory Calhoun was an American actor and name-checked in the Simpsons episode Two Dozen and One Greyhounds. Right, where they have... When uh, he's standing up and he's having... Kids. And uh, Burns and Smithers are talking... And Burns is going, look at him standing there. He reminds me of, oh, what's his name? Smith's like, oh, he's having some guests. He's like, <laughs> yeah. No, the one, you know, the one who stands, Rory Calhoun. <laughs> was an old American actor, which I never knew, but I just couldn't stop thinking about Calhoun. Anyway, he was not related to John B. Calhoun. Um, wasn't even his, <laughs> wasn't even in uh, Rory Calhoun's birth name. Matt, look at my face. Do you think that was a fun fact? I personally do. Anytime you can bring up The Simpsons. Yeah, it was I mean I was I was probably aiming Matt. out at the wrong judge. No, Matt. I'm I'm guessing that is not that a is fun not fact. a fun fact. Pandering it at me. Come on, fact number two. Two of two. Bring it home strong. Number always, two. You always have your strongest one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it really gets him. Um, fun fact two. So have you say guys, number two? Fun fact number two. <laughs> have Have you guys heard of Rory Calhoun? Considered. Uh, what the B in John B. Calhoun stands for? Oh, I don't know. Buchanan. No. You're not going to get it. I've never heard of this name. Bump ass. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Bump ass. Spell that. B-U-M-P-A-S-S. Oh, my God. 
we've just discovered the best name ever. Bump Ass. We've had some great names on this show. We've had so many good names. That is Bump Ass. John Bump Ass Calhoun. Immediately eclipsed every other name. Can't yeah. even think of any other funny ones now. Matt, that is a fun fact. Yes. Yes. 50%. 50%. Hey, that's a pass. That's Matt, a pass. Oh, Matt Peas bump, get degrees. Matt Bumpass Stewart. And that is my report. That's good stuff. Good stuff, so Matty. That, of course, was uh, voted for by some of our Patreon listeners. Yeah, that's right. You said two other topics were a bit more lighthearted. Yeah, the other two were about um, uh, Steven Seagal and oh, I love him. Weird Al Yankovic. Hang on, I love Steven Seagal's early movies. I don't love him as a person. I, I probably should clarify. I thought, that. yeah, I, I thought his was going to be fascinating. Weird Al Yankovic or ah. Yankovic. Yankovic. Oh, he's cool. Um, but yeah, today's topic, which I I did in, I enjoyed on some levels. It was fascinating, but also real sad. Uh, there was some. It's been a dark time. I'm looking forward to hugging some people. I enjoy it. It's a, it's a it's fascinating, definitely. Yes, uh, which I think is exactly the word that Blake used when he suggested it. Blake, uh, a.k.a. Cloud Strife's cat. <gasps> I wonder if he's Calhoun's daughter. Oh. I wonder if he's Calhoun's daughter. Mm. I mean, uh, Blake Lively is a woman. Mm. Covering all bases there, though. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, two, two bases. That's all you need. There's many I've never bases. gotten past second base. <laughs> Slide in the third, Jess. You'll bloody oh. love it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. Don't. So we thank, don't think about it any further. So we thank Blake for the suggestion. Thanks, Blake. And uh, we also thank the people on Patreon that voted for it. And we also, also would like to tell you that if you like the show, you can support the show through patreon.com slash pod. And in exchange, we'll give you some rewards and extra bonus stuff, including a bonus episode. Uh, just before Christmas, we released the Krishmish bonus special. Krishmish. Krishmish, which is about the Yule Lads. That's right. We cover the Yule Lads for the Patreon-only feed. So if you support us and subscribe at patreon.com slash pod, you get a chance to listen to that. And then we answered a bunch of questions from um, some patrons about Christmas and stuff. That was, uh, was, was good fun. And also, we'd like to thank people that support us through Patreon. And, uh, Matt, you got a couple of yeah. names there? would you mind at all if I thanked from Suffolk? This is a great name. Lizzie Phillips. That is a good name. That's she sounds like star. an Olympian. Oh, okay. A rock star Olympian. Yeah. That's an overachiever, She's Lizzie Olympian Phillips. first because I feel like you retire from that earlier, yeah. you know. You can rock right into your 60s. Oh. So she's an I Olympic. I saw Paul McCartney earlier in the month. He yeah. was rocking into his 70s, baby. Olympic swimmer turned... Guitarist. Shredder. Yeah, she shreds. Wow, Lizzie meow, Phillips. Meow, meow, meow. Yeah. On your Lizzie Phillips. Yeah, she plays Have you got the new Lizzie Phillips album? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Good improv. Well, I was just trying yeah. to I was trying to figure out that riff that you were doing. I think it was Oh, you're um, gonna go my way. <laughs> she shreds. <laughs> She's a that guy cover act. The guy with the dick coming out of his pants. Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. The dick coming out of his pants. Remember that time when his yeah, dick came out of his pants? he flashed it by accident. What a moment. I mean, in or a way, it? don't we all have a dick coming out of our pants? I sure as hell do. I don't. Oh, my God. I do. <laughs> Everyone look away. I'd also love to thank. Oh, do, Dave, are you going to do something rat-related to our, our patrons today? <laughs> what in the give, rat- give Lizzie her rat name. 
I mean, we gave her a rock star slash Olympian job title. But I think that's even better. What about we, so just g- we give them uh, in, in their utopia jobs in the rat that? society? Okay, great. She, she's the patron Olympian slash guitarist. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Good on you, Lizzie. I'd also love to thank Mike Bryson. Oh, that's another rock star name. This guy's a boxer, I reckon. Oh. <laughs> Mike Tyson. No, I think it's just Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson? My brain's very compli- complicated. Yeah, I think I was thinking Mike Tyson. Yeah, no, he's a sports, another sports star there. He's from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. <gasps> Go Pens. Go Penguins. Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're from, yeah, they are from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you, yes. Mike. Um, may I thank some people also? I'd, I would love it if you could. Thank Please. you. So I would like to thank from Essex. Charlotte Morrison, another good name, but that's more like an author name, I, was, I think. Yeah, that's yes, a bestseller. Oh, fuck yeah. Not, She's so, yeah, like not like a self-published. Fiction. Like every rat in the society owns a copy. Of Charlotte Morrison. Rat fiction. Rat fink. Rat. Are you of bat fink? Yep. <laughs> okay. And, uh, oh, thank you, another, Charlotte. Another good one. Yeah, thank you, Charlotte. From Brooklyn. I'd like to thank Adam King. Oh, I think he's a masseuse. Keep giving him a massage. No, Adam King. he's the rat king. Adam King. No, he's a rapper. He's um, in the Beastie Boys from New York. They had one of them is the King Ad Rock. Oh, yeah. Brooklyn Bronx, Queens and Staten from the something, something to the top of Manhattan, Asia, Middle East, something and Latin, black, white, New York. You make it happen. Thank you. You make it, Adam. You make it, Adam. Adam King. We did it. I would like to thank not one, but two people at once here. We have one of our first Patreon power couples. Wow. Oh, wow. Also from New York, from Belfast, New York. Huh. Didn't realize that there was a city, town, suburb in New York State called Belfast, but it is. And it is home to our Patreon power couple, Kendra and Eric Mikolas. Power couple. They need a power... Ooh. <laughs> Fell off the chair. <laughs> they need a power couple name. Kendrick. Oh, that's good. Kendrick. What is Kendrick? Kendrick Lamar. Lamar. No, but, no sorry. I was going to say, what do they do oh, they're, in the rat Oh, world? they're Insta celebs. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would have yeah. thought they'd be, they'd be pen one. To themselves. Oh, yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. Velvet rope at the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you try and go through the rope, Eric just opens his eyes. Yeah, he opens his eyes unless you're, you're a beautiful one. <laughs> and I'll just then, little wink. Come on in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to our beautiful ones, Kendra and Eric. Uh, I would like to finally thank from Bradford on Avon. Oh, near Shakespeare. <laughs> near Shakespeare. Near Shakespeare. Stratford upon Avon, I, I assume so. I would like to thank Jack Lesure. Jack. Oh, oh he's Jack Lesure. He's a monsieur. Oh, here. Yeah. Jack! Oh my god, stop. I want a massage. Oh, I hate no. that so much. I Shut want a up. Massage. Shut up. Yuck. That is so accurate. Have you ever watched the Are you team from Queens? Have you ever watched you the TV like show nanny, maybe? The Real Housewives of New Jersey? Which I have sat through a few episodes with my girlfriend. And uh, they speak like that. We get it. You're not lonely like the rats. <laughs> Jack! Can you hear how annoying that is? Oh, my God. Watch the show and you'll... you'll, mm. you'll oh, it's hard I to won't. watch. I won't. It's hard to watch. Jack Lasseur the Masseur. Yes, Jack Lasseur from Bradford on Avon. Jack Lasseur the Masseur. Thank you so much. We oui, Monsieur. 
Oui, oui. And thanks to everyone that supports the show. Uh, <laughs> if you cannot afford at this time in your life to uh, chip into the Patreon, that is totally fine. But what you could do for free is tell a friend about the show. That would really help us out. Mm. Oh, I read some um, sporadically. I go in and read some of the iTunes reviews. And they're so nice. I just read a bunch of them uh, the other day. So good. Yeah, it is very nice. Nicest That's listeners. Love you guys so them. much. Except you. No, you even know, you. You know who you are. You know what you did. Especially you. Especially you. <laughs> you get out of here. You get it. Out of here. You get it out of here. But yeah, that is legit very nice for us to read. It only takes a minute or so for you to write out a couple of sentences and tell other people that might be perusing the charts as to why they should check it out. And uh, then we get more listeners and we become the happiest rats in rat world. Happy rats, rat world, ratty rat happy. I'm dying. Please help me. All right, Jess, I'll cut you off there and I will I will tell you <laughs> that that's one of the last things you'll say on this podcast for 2017. Oh, great. We will, we will not be taking any time off. We'll be back next week with another episode, and it will be... Uh... Hey, Jess. Yep. See you next year. <laughs> what do you mean? Did you... Oh, very good. Thank you. My dad legit used to make that joke every year, and it's never not funny. It's an Auntie Donna sketch, that is. Is it? Oh, that's why he did the Broden voice. That's why he did the Broden voice. Right. Because Broden is the it. person at work going, I'll see you next year, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it tickles me, that joke. I look forward to it uh, in a few days' time from my dad. <laughs> in text form these days. <laughs> uh, but you can get in contact with us anytime uh, via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at DoGoOnPod, email DoGoOnPod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next year. Have a fun and safe New Year's. And until then, I will say thank you and goodbye. Bye. podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind should old acquaintance be forgot and all lang syne Absolute poetry. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.